Good day, and welcome to Far Reaches. We are four people from similar parts of the world who have wound up chasing different dreams and living different lives. We are Richard, Raleigh, Joel, and Micah. Richard and Micah are from Southeast Oregon, from two small ranching communities known as Pine Creek and Plush. Raleigh and Joel are from Northeast Oregon, from the Pendleton area. We met through college, mutual friends, and heard of stories of each other. Somehow wound up being at the same place at the same time. See, we live and work in different parts of the U.S. now and have all taken different paths to get to where we are. We all talk separately and live far apart. So we decided we should try and talk more together. We hope you come along and enjoy. <laughs> and everybody's excited. Oh. Welcome to Far Reaches Podcast. He's giving her bucking. And look at that. He's a spur. And it's a cowboy from Lake County coming out of shoot seven, folks. Let him know. That's the only thing he's going to get your applause today. That's right. <laughs> the new desk bronc competition. Last year's rookie of the year in the couch rodeo. Welcome to the Far Reaches Podcast. Those of you not watching this on video are wondering mostly what the hell I'm talking about. Well, we're on video as well. And uh, young Richard Bradbury Jr. the third. Uh, was uh, jumping in a bucking on the desk there when dad was getting ready to be on the video. So I had to commentate a little bit just because it shoots out of my word hole. And there we are. So welcome. Welcome again. Welcome back. Welcome to another edition of Far Reaches Podcast. Remember, questions, comments, concerns, please send us an email at uh, farreachespodcast at gmail.com. Or as most of you do, reach out on Facebook or or Instagram or text uh, with your messages and comments. We've got some great comments this week. I'll uh, I'll go to the mailbag in a little while. But uh, as I mentioned in our intro, we're also uh, simulcasting on YouTube. Uh, we have a Far Reaches podcast channel, uh, you know, so you can get it uh, double dip you. I'm coming from both sides. Uh, so no matter what you're doing, so get on over to YouTube, subscribe, hit that little notification button as well. So when one of these things come out, you get noticed, so either you can go look or you can avoid YouTube, uh, whatever works best for you. So uh, we're going to kick it off right into it. We are down a man at the moment. Uh, Mr. Joel has a torn labia, so he can't be here right yet. He's getting it stitched up and hopefully be back to uh, back to normal soon. He is uh, quarantining in Pendleton, as we know. He made the trek, I believe, and uh, I've not seen him. I've heard from him, but he's... Uh, unavoidably detained at the moment, but still joined as always by uh, Mr. Raleigh Bigsby and Mr. Richard Bradbury. Raleigh was pooping last episode and we're glad he made it back finally. Uh, I'm sure his legs are sore and he's uh, <laughs> he's glad to be up and around, so to speak. So- uh, <laughs> Toilet paper shortage here. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha again, didn't it? Yeah, so um, yes, we will jump right into our uh, weekly updates if you will and since Raleigh since you were pooping last time I'll give you the floor this time to give us a little uh what's happening where you're at looks like you're in the hacienda right now and uh whatever you want to bring us up to speed on yeah no I uh it's been a busy week uh killed headed to California to be with family and get out of Dodge for a week or so here and uh, not have to put up with me. So uh, <laughs> she's in California, so I'm man on the ship right now and um, just 
getting into the phase of working on hay equipment, getting it ready to go, uh, thinking about firing up some irrigation on some hay fields, although 21 degree nights just uh, yeah. makes you a little concerned about turning it on just yet. So um, other than that, dealing with, uh, had some issues with some wolves up here in my cattle. Mm. And, uh, I've been dealing with that on a regular basis, trying to make my presence known around the livestock and um, yeah, just ranch shit. <laughs> I think that's a t-shirt right there, man. What have you been doing? Ah, just, just ranch shit, really. Yeah. <laughs> As everybody says, you know, like cowboy or rancher, you know, everybody wants to be a cowboy. So it's time to do cowboy shit. So same thing with your, uh, with your ranching. So, oh, well, that's a, that's an interesting first question. Since Mr. Joel's not here yet, I'll play the part of Mr. Joel. What's the difference between cowboying and ranching and farming? How would you, uh, how would you define that? <laughs> by how they run by how they run cows yeah i would think so yeah i uh i would um, you know yeah i'm, I'm same boat the, the you know farmers are typically strictly farmers um cowboys typically saddle a horse every day and spend all day with cows and ranchers are stuck in the middle somewhere um we not and to to an extent not not all ranchers put up hay. Well, there's a lot of ranchers that run cows. Um, cowboys are the guys that take care of cows um, for a living. And not that a rancher doesn't, but when yeah. he gets gets enough responsibility, he's got to hire cowboys to come help do the work. And, and when it comes to the farming end of it, sometimes you have to hire guys to come help do farming. But I I don't know. Maybe I'm being a smartass saying by how they run cows, but Farmers run cows different than cowboys would run cows and ranchers too. So, yeah, Richard, did you hear that question? Yep. What What are your thoughts? I'm just curious because I got you mine. But... Rancher, rancher and farmer. Yeah, and, a cow and, and cowboy. I can put my cattle on a truck and move them anywhere. Therefore, I can move my capital wherever I want to move them. Oh, a rancher. A farmer can't put his capital on a truck and move him wherever he wants because his crops have to stay in the same place. He might have some cows, but he's pretty much anchored to one place, whereas I can go wherever I'd like. Excellent point. Yeah, I, I, and honestly, I had not thought of it in that manner where farmer's not moving anything until it's harvested. Uh, rancher, you're moving it while you're in the process of building it. I just moved some of my capital around today. Well, that's, you're not moving cows. I'm, I'm, I'm just shifting capital. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I, but uh, the, I just learned this, and that's why I'm so excited. And I would recommend this book to everybody. It's called Red Beef Republic. Red and, Beef Republic is that what you said? And it uh, talks about the raise why ranching is different in the United States than anywhere else in the world. It's a brilliant book. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> But the root of capital is cattle. Uh huh. So yeah. Very cool. So that's what they originally considered as capital because it was movable and easily Certainly. liquid. So we got that on Wall Street. <laughs> Rawls, anything else on your weekly update? I kind of cut you off by a little distraction. I apologize. 
No, I. most of the public probably knows how my week went based on the Capitol Press report. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I had several requests from people today and yesterday saying, uh, have Raleigh talk about the Wolves. And I said, when and if he wants to, uh, we will. And it's all in the paper already. But, uh, yeah, that was my feedback to the uh, those listeners that had called in uh, for that exact thing. So, Yeah, the, the, my name is supposed to be redacted from any reports um, according to the laws and regulations put in with the Fish and Wildlife when this comes up by the rancher. We're supposed to remain anonymous, so there's so nothing, nothing can come back on us as far as you know. It's a pretty volatile issue. There's there's uh, extremes on both sides of it, and then historically, there's been death threats and some other things come up with people killing wolves. But so far, I haven't had anybody want to get that stupid. So, um, it as far as the storyline goes uh wolves in the area where i turned out cows and they started depredating on my calves um got two of them confirmed with the fish and wildlife and um on two separate dates right or two separate two separate occasions two separate incidents. Yeah. um we, we found them on the same date but the the tissue and damage and on the first calf was clearly um 36 48 hours ahead of the first the second mm -hmm. um, the, the first wasn't as bad, had a deep wound on its left front knee um, from, well, I would say about the size of a silver dollar, just a gaping old wound right mm -hmm. into the jaw. Um, was full of infection and pus when we got to it. And then the second, my neighbor actually contacted me and that calf had been stuck in the mud um, at a pond where it got chased into. But the whole right, oh, just went blank. Oh, there's Joel boy. Yeah, Joel's coming online. So yeah. So, anyways, the uh, whole second calf's hind right quarter above the hawk had been uh, severely traumatized. Had, you could take one finger and stick it clear through the hams and touch the opposing ham on the left side, the the holes and and just shredded. Um, that I've got lots of footage from. Uh, documentation pictures over the course of the last two weeks of uh, doctoring on it and whatnot but he's he's improving he still has no function of his toes on that side he just drags his foot mm. um as he moves uh, pretty you know you hear about it and the you hear about the the brutalness of what these animals do but you really don't understand until you see it firsthand. They're they're ruthless freaking killers. And the, anyhow, after that, that night I went out to be at the livestock that evening and monitor things and uh, actually had wolves howling all around and two of them came into my neighbor's cows a thousand yards away from me and were chasing his cattle around um, right up until dark. And uh, I'd haze them off of, off of those haze those ones away from those ones by shooting just making noise trying to get them to leave mm. and showed up the next morning to find at daylight a wolf chasing my cows uh, it, mm. it, you're left with no choice at that point and yeah for, fortunately for the situation i had the the weather in my favor to where there was there was 
no questionable doubt as to the evidence um, running cow tracks and a wolf laying dead in them. So mm. there wasn't any, wasn't anything that the, no room to really speculate or, or tell another yeah. story besides well, the my cows. That's been one of the big issues um, for the stockmen is you, you hear you hear of confirmed depredations, you hear of possibles, and there's one other term that the fish and wildlife people use. Um, you know, there's another grower over in the Pendleton area. Mm-hmm. Uh, had had some likelies and possibles is what they call them. Well, That's right. And those essentially are cattle that they find completely consumed, nothing but hair and hide and bones laying there. And yeah, they may have had a GPS caller come in on one of these wolves stating that they were in that area in that time frame. So it's a likely. It yeah. could have it could have been a wolf. Well, <laughs> the the trauma the trauma on the animal and the livestock for the confirmation process is gone at that point. They've consumed it all. Well, I I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, found the traumatized livestock still alive, luckily. Mm-hmm. But the confirmation process is much easier at that point. And so it's it's a very controversial issue, no doubt. Um, do, do the wolves need to be here? You're going to get a lot of different arguments on that. I personally could care less whether they're here or not. However, if they are going to be here, we need to be able to manage them. And yes, you know, it, in in my case, the pasture those cattle are in right now is only about between seven and eight hundred acres. And quite frankly, I had the opportunity to, to do what I did, and wasn't proud to have to do that. But it's what you have to do under mm-hmm. those circumstances. The problem I have. I, I had requested for a kill permit on that piece of property. If they're even on the property, then I can kill them. Well, they wouldn't even grant me that. And the bottom line is, is if those wolves are there, they're there for a reason. Yeah. They're 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 there to kill livestock or to kill something to eat. So I'm still not legally able to, as long as they're on the property, shoot one of them right there. I have to catch them in the act of of pursuing my livestock in order to do it. And once once it's already been proven that they're doing that and hell i killed one doing it they still won't give me the opportunity to defend my stuff without them pursuing it and that's the part that's bullshit to me the that and the fact that in the recent wolf revision two confirmed depredations within a nine-month period warrant the fish and wildlife to do a lethal take on the pack numbers that's up to them at that point but they'd also, they told me on the same lines that I didn't have enough non-lethal measures. My, my livestock had only been in the pasture for a week when I got the first depredation. Mm-hmm. I'd been there three different times in that time frame, And the first depredation based on the dates would have occurred the day after I was there the last time. So it, in a week's time, how much non-lethal measures can you do? I mean, I could put up their stupid flaggery and go out there and spend time flying kites or something but it's not like that's the only thing i have to do and and my presence was certainly there enough considering the circumstances so you know it's a it's a bad situation um that the stockmen are in that every time that you think you're getting somewhere they move the goalpost 
Yeah, that's so the tougher part. You're, you're you're stuck with them being the the judge, jury, and prosecutor all in the same thing. I mean, you're kind of at their mercy, but uh, I I wouldn't call it fortunate that I was able to take one, but um, it's a shot in the arm for the cattlemen. I think timing wise, the fact that you were there, it was muddy. You caught them in the act and were able to to get that all solidified and, and, and evidenced by the, the authorities, uh, you know, certainly was the, the better part of a bad situation. Yeah, and, and and hopefully it's a breath of fresh air for the cattlemen to know that it can be done. I mean, it's not – the sad part is you can't spend mm -hmm. every moment with your livestock like that. It just that it's not affordable and and it's not everybody's going to be in that situation and catch them that quick. But hopefully, hopefully something bigger will become of it that'll be a benefit for the cattlemen. Yeah, you know, there's been not to beat a dead horse, but there's been a lot of time and effort um, by a lot of different people put in on. The wolf program and what's going through so far and where it's at uh, just to get it so it's somewhat you know workable it's still a long ways to go um until it's really well, you know you, you know i what it needs to be the the we're, we're dealing with a state that has a lot of different areas and mm -hmm. our particular corner of the state is extraordinarily infiltrated with these beasts and to my knowledge, as of right now, since my depredation on the 22nd, I believe it was confirmed, since then, um, they've had a depredation in Union County. Just before mine, they had mm -hmm. one in Union County on Llamas. They've had one since. They've had a possible depredation here in Wallow County again on Bear Creek. They've had two possibles over in Pendleton area on the, the Indian allotments mm -hmm. up there. Yeah. And this is all in a two-week time. And it, if you don't think we don't have a problem that warrants being taken care of, look at that time frame and look how many losses the stockmen are incurring. And we're just now turning out. We've got six months ahead of us of the yeah, turnout. That's a good and point. It's the, the sheer dollars. I don't think people understand. Yeah, you know, a lot of people can say, well, yeah, when you take that cap, to, you're going to get 800 to to $1,000 when you go to market in the fall. Okay, let's look at it from this perspective. How about the fact that all my cattle been bunched up for two weeks, just mm -hmm. milling from the pasture, not eating, not gaining. So I've got 80 head out there and I'm losing. If, if I'm gaining, a, gosh, if I'm gaining a pound a day, I'd be surprised right oh, now. Oh yeah. From the yeah. So that's, that's 80 pounds a day that I'm not gaining on my, on my final length. But then you go to the other side of it. Those cows aren't milking like they should because they're mm -hmm. not grazing enough. And the breed back on them. Absolutely. It, that's the key. Sliding off the other end. That's where our real loss is, is the breed back. And, and these cows that are supposed to be producing for us for eight, 10 years mm -hmm. are now my young cows might not breed back as three-year-olds yeah. because they're stressed out being chased around. And, and that's the economic impact. When you start totaling the dollars on all the ranchers in my area that have to deal with this right now, you want to talk about some loss to a community. That, those are extra dollars that we can help in our community that we don't have now. Especially now. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I know what people, some people are going to say like, well, you shouldn't be there. That's where the wolves live. Well, a little background kids, uh, that metropolitan area over there on the West side of the state called Portland, AKA Stumptown. 
it's called Stumptown for a reason because they cut down every freaking tree in that valley swampland that used to be over there. And that's where the wolves used to hang out, kids. Nobody likes to talk about that, but that's really where they used to be. Because you think about that whole Willamette Valley, if it wasn't populized, what kind of buffet smorgasbord that would be for wolves herding around. But I mean, that, that's why you call Portland Stumptown because it used to be heavily timbered everywhere. And if you look at these little pockets that haven't been destroyed, um, it's prime habitat. And so when people keep pointing back to the east side of the state and saying, well, it's your fault for living there. Uh, no, we just kept it more natural than anywhere else. And this is where they've all been shoved because it's convenient for you. But look, uh, they're supposed to be where you walk your poodle. So think about that a bit too, that like you said at the very beginning, we've changed the ecosystem and now needs to be managed. Whether you like that or not, it's never gonna go back to pristine, whatever that might've been. It's gonna be managed because uh, like it or not, man and beast have been here. So, you know, that's ended my sermon on that, but that always, you know, it's a component we have to take into consideration. Richard, what's the situation look like in your part of the world? I know you guys are starting to see, um, see them moving in. How's it getting to be down there? Are you guys having any problems? I'd say this summer will be the, the test. There's mm -hmm. on the range is where we just turned out. And so there was early, first reports were early March. That sort of died down. So I don't know where they are, but. I saw some about three years ago, two wolves, um, but I think they were just passing through going somewhere. But um, they're definitely well, uh, gave another look at the valley this this uh, March. They were hanging around the feed grounds. So. Well, maybe you can get the fish and wildlife to come down there and put some collars on because you still won't know where they're at because they won't tell you. Yeah, I, I've heard horrible stories of people that have lost livestock to cattle and the complete indifference and. Uh, just treated like crap by the government officials. Like, I know a rancher family up around where you're from that there was a wolf tooth stuck in the hind end of a cow that had died. Mm. And the guy that came out to investigate it said it wasn't conclusive enough evidence. Yeah. You wouldn't send a hair in because there was wolf hair around. Mm -hmm. wouldn't send it in to sit for DNA testing because it wasn't a. Uh, they don't have any program to do that. So uh -huh. it's an endless, and it's a, uh, anytime you get a, a zealot or an evangelist in a position to manage that kind of thing, this is what happens. And it's just, uh, it reminds me of the nineties when all the California and 93 people were mm. running. Oh man. Whoa. That's a flashback. Yeah. Well down here because, uh, there was a bunch of, armed hippies running around and doing all sorts of weird stuff and raising hell with the loggers and uh mm -hmm. yeah so i i foresee that we probably have that type of mentality coming back with the wolves and uh turns out it takes about 30 years to to get that all straightened out we don't have the we don't have the radicals that we used to with the spotted owl and, but with each endangered species comes their own set of advocates of their own uh, they're all radicalized, the ones that are there every day. And it's just that, unfortunately, the radicalized ones are the ones that remain in the programs mm -hmm. in the government. And if we haven't learned that after 
30 <laughs> years with endangered species then we aren't learning very much at all uh, yeah yeah and you know that's why you, you're always instantly bucked up against any agenda because uh you wonder what it truly is uh, you know rarely is the case when it's right up front what's really going to be happening so i wanted to compare and contrast the difference in cultures and the cultural memory of uh wolves when i was in russia one of my hands came in and said they thought they saw a wolf and i was like you gotta be kidding me is there wolves around here they said well occasionally yeah we do see a wolf and they thought we saw one in the pastures the next day Russian military were there fully armed and uh, patrolled the ranch for the next seven days. Multiple vehicles driving around and they were having nothing of it. And they, uh, they never saw the wolf again, but uh, yeah, they they take, in Russia, they take wolves very seriously. And uh, there's no, uh, there's no question as to what's going to happen to them if they're in livestock. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's an image. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I would say that America is unique, being a first world country, that we have a much different and uh, how would you say it a uh, privileged uh, mm -hmm. position on wolves, whereas other parts of the world that deal with wolves uh, have a much different approach to dealing with them. It's not as romanticized. And we have much more democratized, if you will. Still, yeah. We still remember what it uh, actually, like what Raleigh was talking about, just incredible economic uh, devastation. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's roll right into your your update there, Mr. Richard Raleigh. Thank you much for uh, for sharing that and bringing some light to a lot of people's questions. Uh, I appreciate that. Looks yeah. that you got to go through this. Yeah. You can commiserate with Marshall about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we are, uh, I think we have left, we have about maybe 38 head left in the valley. We're almost completely turned out. By tomorrow we will be. So that has been a marathon. And uh, so happy to have that done. I just like like I was told these guys before we started, I just got out of the cow truck. My phone was dead and I wasn't even sure how close it was to seven. So oh, geez. Good <laughs> <laughs> fortuitous timing, Richard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that makes lucky. Yeah. I could kill me. Last time my phone worked is I was pulling out the grade from Adele and it was 3.30. Oh, geez. Would it be close? <laughs> Yeah, you probably enjoyed a bit of silence too, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I didn't get to listen to Pandora or anything. I had to sit alone with myself, which is horrifying. Oh yeah, and not not your singing. I was thinking of when I do the same thing. Yeah, so oh. <laughs> I was like, didn't mean to agree that quickly. Like, stop. No. <laughs> Got a really cool meeting next week. Oh, I, we did have a another country natural beef meeting uh, talking about the market, the beef uh packing industry and uh and it's not getting better and uh probably looking at a there's going to be a huge glut as soon as they get everything up and going mm -hmm. it's going to hit probably in uh i'm thinking september august that it's going to be pretty devastating and uh my prediction is we lose uh 
10% of the ranchers in the United States in the next 18 months, and the average cattle herd number goes up to 100. Wow. Yeah. That's a bold statement, sir. I would say probably in 24 months, that's what the reality will be. It's at 68 now. It's at 68, okay. So I had to explain to somebody why I was telling them, yeah, the average herd size went up from 42 to 68. And they said, well, that's awesome. I was like, that's the opposite of awesome. That means yes. that lost a lot of producers and that's been consolidating. So Fewer herds, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the consolidation is going to continue, uh, I think. I, I I think it will to a degree, but I, I do see such value in these direct to consumer programs that that might reverse that to a degree. I certainly hope. Uh, and there, there's a lot of movement on that front. Um, I reached out to uh, any, either you guys or anybody that's listening is aware of Rio Nutrition. Yes. They have like one of the most impressive online presence that I've ever seen from an agriculture company. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd say they probably is when you search it, it's like when you search butcher box, it never goes out of your search engine. It's sticky. So they're going to visit with us uh, next week. Uh, Trevor Greenfield, who is an amazing person that has uh, mm -hmm. up uh, Rio nutrition, uh, talk about lots of energy and high intensity. He's also struggling with uh, how do you keep face-to-face -face perspective with customers in Time of Colvera would or not Colvera, uh, COVID. Colvera. It sounds like, like a 78 car model or something. The new Colvera, yeah, more sinister name, yeah. Uh, but uh, so we brainstormed okay, up some really cool things, uh, to sort of punch up our direct marketing and try and capture that uh, premium approach that other uh, brands aren't going to. So uh, maybe Mike is next round. He'll get to experience it. Did you ever get yours worked out? Were they able to get it to you in Lincoln? Oh, I was going to, that was one of my happy updates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I've been communicating. Richard mentioned it last week and I, I talked over the top of him too. Or I think maybe a week before uh, about uh, uh, Desert Mountain, right, Richard? Yep. Yeah. Desert Mountain grass fed uh, now being available online. And I was so excited, but it was only a smaller region really uh, where you could get it. So uh, I was emailing with Tracy several times to find out because they did have a thing on there that says, if you're out of our area, get a hold of us. We'll see what we can work out. And I just found out today that they have like a, I think it's a 20 or $25 flat rate yep. for shipping if you're outside of the magic box. And That's so uh, I uh, placed my first order uh, this afternoon which will be processed next Tuesday and then head my direction. I should have it by next Thursday, probably. Um, so very happy to be able to do that. Uh, and and I, I know I shop with some other people too, but I really wanted to get, to get some of y'all's products and, and see how it's going. And so I think uh, Tracy was wonderful to work with, very polite, very kind, and awesome to get that, um, that $25 flat rate going as well for them. So if people are outside the region, uh, like if Mr. Joel was still back in the motherland, he could he could even get it there probably. So that's, that's hilarious. You said that as I was gathering one of our summer or one of our spring permits today, my Slack notification was going off, and they were discussing how to get 
for people that wanted it outside the area to do. And uh, one of the people that's helping us suggested a flat rate. So that happened <laughs> in less than 14 hours. That's pretty amazing. It was awesome. Yeah, because when we were talking the other day, talking about a few things and looking at the price and this back and forth and she said, you know, we're working on something. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And then I heard today. And so it was really cool to see that. And I'm excited to help support you guys and, and selfishly get some great, uh, great beef. So that was one of my uh, happy updates for the week or, or what's going on in my world. So I want to, I don't want to plug uh, the, what's your buddy in Colorado for people that. Oh, Colorado craft beef. Yeah. I want to plug him. I think that it sounds like he might be out. He's uh he's he's booked a lot. Like I just talked to him today, as a matter of fact, and he's like, uh, we're not really advertising at the moment because we are booked for the next few months, uh, as many cows as we can cram through, and still maintain what we do. Uh, they're they're expanding as we speak, so I think that's cool. But yeah, they, I like working with them too. They do a great online presence. Uh, they've done a great job of marketing what they do and telling their story, which I think is always always the key point is well clear back to when doc and connie started just telling the story um as you guys know that that's key in my mind and then the, other one, the other one i want to plug was down in houston and in missouri uh blue nest beef they uh that's actually north isn't it i blue nest runs up through north and south dakota i think that might be, i was looking at them too yeah they got a neat uh neat online presence and they're real quality real good guys they're yeah. not Owned by outside investors or buying cattle from other places, mm -hmm. you buy from them, you're getting the real thing. Uh, the, one of the founders of Blue Nest Beef was actually the guy that thought started Thousand Hills uh, grass fed beef, which is one of the Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I just connected with him on LinkedIn the other day, actually, after our, our last conversation, I believe, and then was looking at their, their stuff online also to see if I can get some of that rolling. So, yeah, so we got, we got uh, High Desert. We got Blue Nest, we got Colorado Craft, um, and anybody else that wants us to think about it, uh, we'll be happy to talk about what you're doing uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, taking advantage of this, so uh, it's happening. And there are some people that were ahead of the curve a little bit and already geared up to take advantage of this and COVID sort of pushed them that extra little bit. So. Mm -hmm. And everybody I've talked to is working their buns off to try and, uh, Get the best product out there that they can and deal with all the different packing the regional ones are coming back online pretty good but they're swamped because they came back on so much faster than the larger mm -hmm. packers so uh they're uh getting a much needed shot in the arm as far as revenue because uh they're the they're the they're the pretty girl to dance right now <laughs> absolutely and and i hope this is a pipe that once it gets opened it doesn't get shut back down. I, I don't think it will. I think it'll continue to grow, but I, I think these are the times to shine uh, and hopefully it, it keeps doing that. That was the other news. Go ahead and talk about it. I'll uh, get back to this. There's something exciting happened. Oh, here it is. Um, 11 attorney generals from Western and Midwest states requested the U.S. Department of Justice investigation into acquisitions of anti-conic anti-competition practices by meatpacking companies. Oh. Those states would be North Dakota, Colorado, Missouri, Montana, Arizona, Idaho, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, South Dakota, and big surprise, Wyoming. I'm surprised Texas hasn't thrown in with this yet. 
They're busy dealing with hairdressers, I think, at the moment. So, yeah, they'll get there soon, though. They have a hairdresser uh, revolution going down there. I couldn't be prouder, I tell you. Yeah. God bless big hair. Yes, especially. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I I keep notes, uh, everybody uh, listening and watching. I keep notes as we struggle through these just to try to hit high points so I can remember what we talked about and when. You know, so it's it's going to be wolves, online beef, big hair. Uh, that's my notes. Uh, first three points. That, we that sounds like a party. It does. It sounds like, hey, sign me up. You know, I'd probably a pretty good cover charge to get into that one. So, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. The other uh, high point or weekly update for me, uh, besides my constant uh, job search and Zoom interviews, is uh, while uh, rearranging my freezer in my garage, I uh, stumbled across a missing pork belly I'd forgotten about and some pork loin. And so uh, we've had some requests to talk more about some cooking and such. So I thought those both out and chopped them all up and seasoned them appropriately and made about uh, 12 pounds of Micah's uh, AP sausage. So a nice little breakfast sausage, uh, one of those miracle finds in the freezer where you're like, oh, look at this mystery meat in the bottom. And turns out it's something you really want to cook and eat. And so... Uh, yeah, that was a, an afternoon project of uh, getting that all spiced up and cut up. And, and unfortunately, uh, I sent it to some people and they said, is it going to be like the last batch? And I said, uh, no, because I don't have the recipe for the last batch because it's just uh, some of this, a little bit more of that. Mm, this sounds spicy. So, you know, it's truly a one of a kind experience when you experience some Micah's uh, AP sausage. So, um my cooking update. We can talk more about that later. I've sent the recipe to several people already this week uh, that saw me. I had it on the Facebook, I think, where I put the the before and after, if you will. So uh, always fun. I really enjoy doing that stuff at smoking and uh, making sausage and bacon and and the like. So we'll have a we'll have an episode or something in the future dedicated to uh, all things cooking, especially from the uh, the how we should we put it the single man's point of view of cooking. And how to be resourceful uh, and use the same thing the entire week. So, <laughs> ah, awesome. Got any more? Um, anybody more weekly updates from anybody? We had a pretty good uh, round so far. Uh, it's been impressive. So, yeah, almost sound like we know what the hell we're doing uh, as far as what's going on. So, going on in a time when we're supposed to be not doing anything. Uh, isn't that right? Yeah, like man, for <laughs> this is kind of wearing me out. All this stuff I'm not supposed to be doing. So, uh, we will uh, we'll shift gears a bit and go into our, uh, our movie thoughts for the movie of the week, which uh, I was proud to be able to pick one of my all-time favorites, uh, The Quiet Man. And this is where I'm gonna miss Joel. Uh, I miss him all the time, but uh, I we'll have to get some of his perspective a bit uh, next time. But you know. We're, we're slowly immersing him in the world of John Wayne. And so way early in our career, we had talked about McClintock a bit with Mr. Joel. And I think he missed the mark to a degree. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, we brought back the quiet man because, again, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I think we handed a bit last time that we actually had a chance to watch this uh, in high school. I think it was either junior or senior English. I can't remember which one. I know it was the Falconator was the teacher. And it was really to describe and learn about the dowry system and, and how that's so important in many cultures of, you know, what comes with the wife when she's wed off. And so um, 
yeah. So that's one thing that, you know, I think really was a great excuse just to watch an awesome movie, but we actually did learn something too, even if we didn't know it at the time, I'm sure. So uh, Quiet Man, 1952 classic with uh, directed by, I think one of the greatest directors of all time, John Ford, him and John Wayne, I think really had a good mind meld. And then of course, uh, Miss Maureen O'Hara, which I think was probably one of his most prolific uh, co-stars of all times. And so, uh, yeah, uh, Richard, what's your, what's some of your favorite takeaways from, from this movie? And there's so many to talk about and we, we don't want to get too bogged down, but I think it just, what hits you when you think about the quiet man? I think it's, first of all, I think it's a beautiful movie. It's something for John Ford to, you picture Monument Valley, all these beautiful mm -hmm. arts, and, uh, piled rocks. But he, uh, I think that the way that movie was filmed, other than the grain of the film, could mm -hmm. be filmed right now. I mean, it's a very sort of, uh, just a beautiful movie. It's sort of timeless in that. Yeah, in, in case uh, I always I always get all excited and I skip ahead too. But for those of you who have not yet seen Quiet Man, I'll give you the, a brief thirty thousand foot view. You know, John Wayne's a boxer, retires. He's uh, from this little town, Innisfree, to be, from where he was born. Doesn't really remember it, but he moves home to buy the family cottage and land. Um, sees Maureen O'Hara, instantly falls in love. Of course, she is a Danaher. Mary Kate's down at her and her and her her crazy brother and all her and her brothers they all live together you know and so she's she's still the spencer living at home taking care of the brothers and they're all doing their own thing but uh, of course uh, her brother and John Wayne don't get along and so uh, chaos ensues of many many things uh, one of the uh, best fight scenes of all time I think in my opinion it must travel at least 12 miles across countryside yeah. and so uh, they have their ups and their downs and it's great and, and the Irish culture and as, as Richard definitely alluded to just the landscape and the way it's shot uh, and the little like the subtle you know things about the train well you know since you're only four hours late you suppose we should get going now uh, things of that nature so uh, <laughs> I wanted to bring everybody up to speed on what exactly kind of we're talking about but it is it is a wild ride indeed uh, throughout the whole thing my other observation is I think that Marie O'Hara, I mean, I guess you'd have to live in Ireland and watch the movie in Ireland, but I can't even imagine that anybody would. Uh, I think that she nailed the Irish lass to a team, having been raised with several of them. I was going to say, you, you do have a unique <laughs> perspective uh, in that, yeah. yeah. Raised and survived, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm done being helpless. Get out of my way. Yes. Yes. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> here's a nice stick to beat the lovely lady with. Yeah. <laughs> Your favorite quote of the movie. <laughs> oh, five miles. Just a good stretch of the legs. Yeah. So um, she finally pushes John to the point where he's going to stand up and defend her honor, so to speak, and he has to go get her from the train station, which is five miles away, and, and he drags her back and. And the crowd, of course, has been waiting for this the whole entire time. Uh, everybody from the the priest all the way down to the bartender, and so uh, and and the, and the poor guys driving the train. They just leave the train that's already four hours late. They leave it in the other town, Dunkin' or what's it? 
anyways, it doesn't matter where they're at. Um, and they, they walk all the way back. Of course, he leaves his horse there, her luggage, and they just start walking back, back home. Uh, and because he's taking her back, you know, so. I think the interesting thing is, uh, so we were talking, we talked briefly about support your local sheriff and mm -hmm. gunfire. Yes. Every, both, no, and a lot of those Western comedy type things and different movies of that era had the feisty, like, uh, what's her name in uh, support your local sheriff? Oh, yeah, the mayor's daughter. Yeah, who was, uh, oh, I can't think of her name right now. So I'm assuming that I think that I didn't go back and watch a support your local sheriff, but I'm sure it's in. Anyways, all those actresses tried to do what Marino Harris successfully did in three movies that I can count. But they couldn't pull it off as believable. I think that what was so powerful about Marino O'Hara is that that sort of spitfireness and uh, um, willingness, will, willful headedness, uh, and sort of, I would say, feminine power. Mm -hmm. Not many actresses could pull that off and do it so many times to make it so believable. And that's why I think the McClintock, Big Jake, and Fight Man are such mm -hmm. touchstone movies. In the, and two of them are John Ford. So yeah. he, knew, he knew how to. You know how to push the buttons. Just guide a little bit, I think, too, because I, I think that was probably a lot of her natural being, but it said a lot about her as an actress and John and John Ford also about, you know, kind of a kind of a pain in the butt, you know, but you still loved her for it. You're like, you know, yeah, she's a thorn, but I'm glad she's my thorn, you know, because she's going to be by She's fighting with me whether she admits it or not. We're fighting together. Um, as soon as I get her on my side and nothing's going to tear that apart. You know, uh, I, I like that about her because certainly in McClintock, the hair is up and, and obviously in quiet man too, because things aren't all that they should be. Uh, and most of the time it's because John Wayne was being stupid. Um, but you know, you don't want to admit that. So. <laughs> and they play off that history between the two of them so well and big Jake, it's super powerful mm -hmm. because they like when they do the um, money exchange with the box, Oh yeah, uh, are in the train station to decide that they're gonna not actually pay cash, but they don't tell anybody else, mm -hmm. and they they're at odds with each other. But their relationship is so believable that you would when it when that plot point in that movie becomes true, you never even second guess that that's what those two would uh, would have decided in that case. Yeah, and they really didn't have to hardly talk about it. You know, it's just yeah. like. They just knew, yeah. Having not even seen each other for how many, many years in that movie, like seven mm -hmm. or, or something. That's right, yeah. But uh, they were still so simpatico that, and it was believable on screen, and like, you didn't have to justify it. And I don't think that would be available without the movies, the predecessor movies. Well, yeah, even, even like in Quiet Man, you know, because her big hangup is that John Wayne won't ask her brother for the money for her dowry. Three hundred and fifty pounds sterling, uh, you know. And so, uh, when they finally get to that point, and, and her brother's out there in the, in the field thrashing, and they got the big, the big boiler tractor going, you know. Um, and John Wayne asks for the money, and he throws her back and says, "No, take it off." And then she, he finally gives the money, and she's already over by the tractor. She opens the door, and there's fire inside. And John Wayne throws the money in there, like, "I got it. It's ours." But now I want nothing to do with it. And they throw the money in the tractor and close the door. 
you know, she, she was already ahead of that. And that was there like unspoken already too. Like he gave us the money. That's all we wanted. It wasn't the fact that we needed it. It was the fact that he didn't give it over. And so it wasn't a true bond. Well, which is the foundation of many good generational Irish fights. <laughs> oh, to be sure, to be sure, yes. So. <laughs> it's not the money, it's the principle. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we do most things. It's because of the principle. I hope it is anyways. I mean, that's, that's how I think uh, it's the principle of novel, not necessarily all the other stuff and sometimes that's the smart thing and many times well, it's not but that's what that's what you have to live with when nobody's looking so Rawls any uh, any other thoughts on our quiet man I again I was wishing Mr. Joel hadn't torn a labia and he could uh, he could drop in some pearls of wisdom but uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get some later on well I'm gonna be honest I didn't actually watch the movie I picked up clips of it when I had time to mm -hmm. Um, really enjoyed what I saw and look forward to actually watching the movie now. Yeah. Um, there were a couple scenes that they showed. One, the fight is unquestionably the best fight scene I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. You know, hand me a bar towel. You know, yeah. and then they, Marcus yeah. the Queensberry rules. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when they first, when, the brother first met in the bar oh yeah the handshake definitely I mean, yeah we all grew up with those handshakes where we tried to squeeze the other guy as hard as we could i mean anybody that doesn't relate to that movie hasn't done enough living yet i don't think that's uh, so, so it, well it, stated yeah and, and i haven't even watched the whole movie yet but just seeing what i saw yeah it's it's just a good-natured movie yeah, yeah, you hit on the head with that handshake. That was exactly what I thought too. Like, wow, some of my earliest memories are my uncle crushing my hand, not in a mean way. He would always just go to where you knew, you know, like, and he taught me. And so did my dad and my granddad and everybody. Like, you sh you meet somebody, you look them in the eye, and you shake their hand firmly, like you know what you're doing, you know. And so, uh, and it's still when I see my uncle, it's death grip nine thousand, man. And we're not stopping until one of us decides to blink, you know. And it's probably. And I excessive for it's some people it's interesting to be on this topic because you look at the world that we live in today and it's rare to have people walk up and put their hand out look you in the eye and shake your hand and then and, and shake it like they mean it mm -hmm. and it, 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 it's kind of a it's kind of a unique lesson in life that that starts with respect and it's a good way to learn respect from one another right off the bat and and yeah. I, it's you know it's missing from our, like a lot of things from our educating our young, I think. That's my opinion. It, it's people I truly remember too, like, uh, I know you've met him, Dick Snow. Remember Dick Snow? When he shook your yeah, hand, I, you, know. you freaking knew it. When I, when I first met Dick, he was probably in his, easily in his mid-70s, early 70s when I first met him. And that man had, he had like number 10 frying pan hands, but he would look you in the eye and he would grip your hand and he would shake it. And, you know, those are the folks that stick in your mind, and that's one of them is, is him uh, for that exact reason. It's funny you mentioned Dick. Um, the, so when he passed, they had a dispersal sale on his cows. Mm -hmm. And after losing a bunch of calves on a rough winter, I took some of the money off the cows. I called and went and bought into that out of that dispersal sale. Oh, yeah. And Dick ran Salir Cross cattle. And 
And for anybody that's been around Salira, they tend to be a little high-headed at moments. And I, I venture to say that I would have more wounded calves at least if it weren't mm -hmm. for having all of those Salir cattle in the past where the wolf issues occurred. Because ah. those, those are some snorty dog fighting sons of bitches. And, <laughs> and I, I, I'm glad I had them out there. That's a great point, man. I hadn't thought about it. I forgot about you going out. Ask to later. <laughs> What's that, Richard? I said kick first and ask questions later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. They'll give, you, they'll give you both barrels. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. And they, they don't care if you're a dog or a human half the time. Yeah. They keep you on your toes. Yeah. So, you know, it's just everything. It says a lot about that person, I think. Uh, and, and I don't yeah. think I'm reading too much into that, but I, there's those people that I remember that mean a lot to me. A lot of it's based on that handshake. Dick Bradbury is another guy that's always, you know, always get the hug too, but you know, you get that handshake and that look in the eye and, and it just says a lot. I, uh, I don't know if you guys, either of you that ran into Mark Lunday. What's the last name? Mark Lunday. I don't. Lundy? L-U-N-D-Y? Yeah. 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 I don't think so. He's a big, big dude, blonde, almost just, he leans into it and crushes your head. <laughs> never forget him because uh, I've seen him bring people to their knees. And he just smiles and just loves it. <laughs> like my buddy Doc Fister, same thing, yeah huge huge mammoth hands and that's yeah it just engulfs you but you know i guess if you can you do but you still got to give it all you know you gotta you gotta be in there quick and, and give her what you got and you might walk away not right for an hour but uh <laughs> they know they shook somebody's hand by god yeah <laughs> great point Rawls. yeah i think that's a great point especially you know if you can't relate to some parts of this movie then you're you I question how you're living. So, yeah. And so, means a lot to me. It's just one of my favorite movies. It says a lot about people, I think, uh, and, and doing the right thing, you know. And, and, you know, John never was really looking for a fight, but when it came down to it, he certainly delivered. <laughs> well, one of the things that struck me in the, in the, in the pieces, the, the pics that I saw there was a couple of ladies sitting there watching the fight and one in, in today's PC bullshit culture world, it struck me as just being the best thing I'd heard all week because the one lady said, Oh, you know, there, there was like money being bet on this fight as it went. And, and they were, everybody was putting their, their wager in and they, the, the one lady says the other something to the effect. I don't remember the exact words about, um, one says, well, I hope so-and-so wins. And one says, uh, I hope John Wayne wins because that other guy just needs his ass whipped. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it struck me as like, what happened to our world? Because I'm not condoning getting in a fight every time you turn around the corner, but that was a culture that, you know what? You went out, you knocked the shit out of each other, you stood up, you shook hands, and it was over. And, and where did that go? Where that now you, you face all kinds of charges oh. and bullshit and i mean i suppose we've been over this on the podcast a little bit before about our high school days when we all had a shotgun in the, in the oh. car and, you know 
we hunted our way to school and we hunted our and way back and at lunch it, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of a, it kind of falls along those lines you know if you had a problem you went outside you settled it you got over it and came back in you learn mm -hmm. to disagree and that's key. now yeah. now everybody's got a it, you're either one side or the other and you're by god wrong either way that's a great point yeah uh, you and mike and i were there it was still pretty rough what's that I said, when you and I were going to school, we were sort of the last of that uh, generation. Yeah, I think so. They did break up some fights, but we still got SWATs. We still did them anyways. Uh, you know, yeah, we always, all of us had guns in our rig. And I remember we had a couple in the back window of the pickup one day. And I think it was Bob, the ag teacher, called us over and said, hey, you guys, uh, you probably shouldn't have those guns in your back window. And we're like, why he's like well, i don't want anybody to steal them you dumbasses put them down and oh that's a good point bob you know it wasn't like you can't have guns at school it was like well don't be showing them off those are nice shotguns or whatever they were so yeah and you know rawls your point about the the two ladies i think one of them who said he needs his ass kicked she was actually the wooded to land was in, actually in love with the big dumb brother you know it's like yeah he needs to be taken down a peg or two and i i love him anyways and then yeah you know at the end when they come kicking the door in and he's like woman of the house I have brought the brother home to sup. You know, they came home and, and had dinner together, you know, and so uh, they got it all worked out. They respected each other. But uh, we used to yell that when we'd walk into Eve's place in and <laughs> woman of the house, you know, and she would just beam, you know, and uh, that was one of our favorite things to kick the door in and yell at Eve, that, woman of the house, we have brought the Merwin into town, you know, and so <laughs> it, was, it was our announcement and that's that's right where it came from was, was that or if we even when we'd been there for a while we'd just yell woman of the house and she'd bring more and she just giggled you know so uh, it certainly permeates throughout our existence uh no doubt yeah <laughs> so yeah i'll uh i'll be curious uh when you get to sit down and watch it stem to stern uh yeah what other parts you pick because yeah i think well you already nailed it pretty well from some of the the better ones anyways yeah so anyways Better, better make sure you watch it with the bride. Ah, yeah, that'd be a good point. Yeah, you guys be ribbing each other and pointing the whole time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with Kel? Yeah, Richard said, watch it with the bride. And I said, oh, yeah, you guys would be ribbing on each other. I'm like, oh, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, what, what little bit of I saw it today, I mean, it was like, wow, that's a, way too close to home. <laughs> that's why I was laughing so hard the other day, and I was like, Oh man, yeah, you're really gonna like this movie, Raleigh. I think it's gonna be great. You too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when we got married, the sign out in front of the place where we got married was McClintock paddling his wife with yeah. the, with the uh, dustpan. <laughs> I mean, when you turned in the driveway, that was the picture of the That's driveway. That's right. I so forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard, heard Kelly's dad gave us a, uh, a framed in photo of that picture. And I mean, it's, it's like, it hits way close to home. It's too funny. Too funny. Yeah. So yeah, Richard, that's a good point. They'll have to uh, sit down and have uh, have movie night. You guys make some yeah. popcorn and, and uh, yeah, I'll def yeah, definitely wait for her to come home to watch this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we, you know, highly recommend quiet man. Um, it just says a lot about life. I think it's some good lessons and maybe a time of old, but I think, uh, some of us are still hanging on to some of those values, and I think that's good. I think we need to, no doubt about it. Yeah, for all the viewers, uh, just what little I know about it, I'd recommend if they haven't seen it to go watch it to uh, 
shine some light on the world we live in today. Yeah, because I uh, it reminds me, uh, I have what I call uh, Micah's rules of order, you know, and it kind of just yeah. stuck in my head when you said that, you know, is that uh, one of them is simple as best. And, you know, never assume and, and start at the beginning. That's the other two. But that one that really makes sense to me now is simple is best at times, I think. And that means a lot of different things in a lot of different segments. But at this point, simple can be best. So um, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will shift gears again. Uh, we'll usually do what the intellectual moment of the week. But I think we really covered that to begin with when we talked about uh, some of this depredation that Mr. Bigsby is going through and then, and Richard's information on the, uh, attorney generals and et cetera. And so I think we're going to, we're just going to call that, that we've had our smart moments already. It, it kind of a surprise to, to all of us. So, um, we're gonna, we're gonna, I know. Yeah. And maybe it's because Joel and his torn labia aren't here, uh, that we had it already. So I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And we'll just, we'll go with it that for now. So, um, We've had our uh, tradition for a few weeks now to doing our Far Reaches Word of the Week. And so this week, I picked it up. Uh, and since uh, one, the first thing that popped in my mind was from my squid Navy days, and it also probably relates a lot to our current environment, the word I picked is scuttlebutt. Ooh. And so has anybody heard that, used it, uh, or have any idea what I'm talking about when I say I haven't heard it, but I don't know what it means. Oh, I've heard it. Um, I have an assumption of what it means. A scuttlebutt, some sort of a uh, activity that maybe shouldn't have happened or shouldn't be happened. Well, that's that's pretty close. Uh, yeah. So um, in the Navy, a water fountain is called a scuttlebutt, and. Oftentimes, it's also slang for rumors and, and talk. You know, what's the scuttlebutt? Because oftentimes you'd gather around the water cooler or the water fountain, and that's where you're gossiping and telling lies and shit back and forth. And so when you say, hey, what's I heard the scuttlebutt is blah, blah, blah. So it's like the latest news. It's the rumors. Uh, it's the whatever. But it stems from the military word for water fountain, which is scuttlebutt. So, so is that like brand that makes it? Uh, no. Um, you know, it used to be way back in the day, it was a barrel or a cask. It was the scuttlebutt. And so, um, that's where it originally came from. And then it turned into the drinking fountain which just kept that, uh, name because it used to be a water barrel. So, huh. yeah. So when the, whenever that awkward transition in the Navy from a water barrel to a water fountain, they just kept calling it a scuttlebutt. So, would that be something like when you'd go into a meeting that they'd say, you know, you got to cut down the scuttlebutt? Yeah, a lot of scuttlebutt about this or watch the scuttlebutt about that. Uh, that's all just scuttlebutt. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, or even when you're asking your buddy, like, you know, when you run into your buddy, hey, what's the scuttlebutt on uh, when we're leaving? Uh, and it was sort of that, you know, like, what are you hearing? Uh, you know, because uh, some of your friends worked in the uh, – the crypto area and heard all the radio messages coming in. And so sometimes you get a little information that you probably weren't supposed to have, but you're a good friend. So you're like, Hey, what's the scuttlebutt on the such and such. And so also a way to say something without directly attributing it to an individual, you know, so you can, a word around the campfire is, you know, which is sort of my equivalent to the scuttlebutt. So, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's first word that popped in my head when I thought about what the uh, <clears throat> the word of the week might be. Well, along those lines, Micah, since you brought it up from your squid days, tell us a little bit about that just briefly. Um, what <laughs> what what you did? Where you know, not necessarily where you went or anything, but kind of kind of what that part of your life was about. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I I joined. Uh, let's see, I graduated in June, and then I went in. The next uh, January 31st, I joined. So I was on the bus to MEPS, military enrollment, whatever that was called, in Portland on Super Bowl Sunday. I remember getting up with the ass crack of dawn and catching a bus um, from Klamath Falls. I had to get a ride to Klamath and then got on the bus and then went to military processing in uh, Portland. And then you get all your paperwork and then you jump on a plane and there was only about eight or 10 of us on the whole entire plane. No, let me take that back. There's like 14 because there was us, uh, some squids, and then there were some jarheads. The Marines also flew down with us. But we're the only people on the plane, basically. So you land and they pick you up. And that's the end of your civilian world as you know it. Because <laughs> you, go right into, um, you go right into processing, basically. So, you know, we had the, the, uh, the classic I did boot camp in San Diego, which is kind of rare. Uh, because I was from the West Coast. And so back then, I think they had still Great Lakes and, and San Diego uh, for boot camp areas. And so to be from the West Coast, most of the time you got shipped <clears throat> to Great Lakes just because I don't know why, some kind of weird military thing, but rarely did you go to the same coast that you were living on. So anyways, went to boot camp in San Diego and, uh, you know, you get the haircut and then the next day everybody's like, you're feeling your head and you're feeling your buddy's head because it just feels so weird because it's like a zero blade really like and it's just you know in about three seconds and I, I still have a mole here I didn't at the time because I said hey make sure you watch that <laughs> that mole on the back of my neck yeah so, <laughs> so I'm bleeding you know I'm tired I'm bald <laughs> I'm wearing sweatpants you take all your valuables and you stick them in a sock you know, and it just kind of, it hangs out of your sweatpants because you haven't got to your barracks yet or anything. And so, um, you know, boot camp, there's hours of story about boot camp and the craziness we went through um, because you're bringing people together from everywhere, like New York and Jersey and Alabama and in Oregon. And, you know, like just, I think they almost do it on purpose, like to find the most random people and put them together uh, just because I think it's probably entertaining. It does build a, a good team anyways. But uh, so I went through boot camp and some schooling and, and I got sent to a uh, destroyer or, or tin can as it's called, you know, it's only, it's only 600 feet long. So it's tiny in the Navy, but, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, um, and I won't go on too long, but one of the funny stories is when I first checked on board, you know, you're supposed to have like your orders, and, you know, you're assigned to a certain part of the ship, either you're going to work in the forward engine room or the aft or the HT shop or somewhere, depending on where their need was. So I, I think I checked in on a Sunday. And so it was a little more relaxed, you know, where I was going to go. And I was hanging out in the, where we lived called the birthing, B-E-R-T-H. And uh, kind of just like, hey guys, you know, and I'm like, oh, and uh, turns out a guy that was on the boat, um, parents owned the grocery store in Pine Creek. And he remembered me and he's like, cause he walked up and said, Hey, Micah. And like, I had heard my first name and you know, forever. There was just Wells. And so, um, and then somebody else started talking to this guy named Jason Milligan was from Klamath Falls. 
uh, and he worked in the HT shop. And he's like, uh, hey, I bet you can weld if you're from Lakeview. And I'm like, matter of fact, yeah, I'm, I'm a ninja. And he's like, great, you want to be in the HT shop? And I'm like, that sounds awesome. So um, away I went. And Monday morning, I go to muster up and I'm with the HT shop, you know, and call and roll, do, 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 do. And I'm there about two or three days before somebody finally figures out that I'm not, I'm not actually detailed to the HT shop. Um, I'd been marked AWOL for three days because I was supposed to be lining up with forward engine room, you know. And so they finally found me. You know, like I was walking around the birthing and Dave's like, dude, where have you been? I knew I saw you. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're supposed to be working in forward engine room. I'm like, no, I'm working in the HT shop. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like, and like day one, I'm down welding, you know, like, all right, go give her hell. And so like a guy that didn't work in the shop for about a year, they called him spider. Uh, spider couldn't even go weld by himself yet. And he was all bent out of shape. Like, who's this guy? They're like, well, go with him and learn how to weld spider. Um, so I, I finally got put back into my my right position. I got assigned to forward engine room, which was really cool because we're working on huge engines. You know, uh, the uh, the generator was a DC ten, and so what what turned out to be handy too, because on the boat you're supposed to have a process for everything. You're supposed to be paperwork. Well, now you could put a request in to get something welded up, and if the HT shop felt like going and doing it, they would. If they didn't, eh, it's just a request. You know, they had their system. But I could just roll back there, get a welder, <laughs> run up to my engine room, weld on what I needed to do, and take the welder back. And so, uh, yeah, they call me Boy Scout was one of my names because I was always wrangling on something or rednecking it, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, I was the first guy to ever take two wrenches and put an end in, you know, a double wrench on something to break something loose. Oh, I thought I painted the Mona Lisa, you know. <laughs> like, like, you don't learn that in school, you know, so <laughs> – <laughs> but uh oh my god yeah and then i'll tell you one more quick story and then we'll move on from navy days but again going back to paperwork and this and that and the other you know when, when we're in port a lot of times when you're in port you're doing repairs and maintenance and you're getting ready for your next trip and so they have what's called a tender uh, it's like a huge floating store machine shop i mean it's like the coolest if you're if you like to work on stuff like that it's the most cool thing you can go look at they got parts and they make stuff. And it's like, it's, so when you're out to sea, you'll have a one or two tenders with every battle group. Well, the tender was right across the pier from us. And so we got to see the name of the tender. I'm like, me and my buddy were like, hmm. So you, you can roll down to the PDX or the Navy store and you can buy hats or covers as you call them for pretty much any boat that's stationed in San Diego. Cause you have like a nice, you wanna wear a nice hat sometimes when you're on, on duty. So we just go buy a hat. It was the Acadia was the tender across the pier from our ship. So we bought a couple of Acadia hats, you know, because nobody checks to see what boat you're on. They can't even tell. So we take those back on our boat, you know, and we had a bunch of crap we needed for the engine room and we didn't want to fill all the paperwork out and wait. So we just put our Acadia hats on and strolled across there and permission to come aboard uh, the Acadia. And they don't know us from Adam. You know, there's 3,000 people on the Acadia. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we just wander around until we find out what we're looking for. We go shopping. And so <laughs> bring all our shit back across. <laughs> First to go to shore. Yeah, carry on. Do to do. And then we go to our boat. And of course they know us. And they're like, oh, you guys just get on the boat. And so we take our stuff and we go do our thing, you know. So <laughs> not like we're stealing. I mean, it all belongs to Uncle Sam. So <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, they got quite the charge out of that too. Like, Wells, where the hell did you get the idea to? I'm like, 
I, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. I thought we could get away with it. We bought the Acadia hats of the PDX the other day. So. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any, are there any of the guys you were on there with that you're still in contact with? Yeah, there's a few, uh, and not as many as I'd hoped, uh, but some of them, like my buddy Sinkus, uh, he lives up uh, around Chicago. We were pretty good friends, and I haven't talked to Dave. Dave was the guy that his parents owned the store. I haven't talked to Dave in a while. Uh, Chief Craft, I talk to every once in a while. Facebook's made it easier. We have a little Facebook group that I'm still on, uh, but yeah. it was. Well, it, it'd be fun to have you, and if they could do it um, on the podcast, just so you guys could talk about oh. your boat and some of the stories. Cause I, 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 I venture to say that there's some really good stories that are, we're not being told right now, man. Yeah. There's no doubt because it was, um, it was crazy. Yeah. We were constantly kicking each other's ass. Basically, if we weren't kicking each other's ass, we we're kicking somebody else's ass because it's just, it was like, and it wasn't like a full curb stomping, but you'd know that you lost and you got roughed up. And so, you know, uh, for example, there was the like three decks tall was like the different berthings that where people lived. And so like ops was upstairs, like all the guys that worked like in the air conditioned space and like the computer screens. And then there was us, the snipes or engineering that all worked in the engine room and HT shop, you know, the, the knuckle draggers, so to speak. And then there was another berthing below of similar guys of ops. Well, since we ran, you know, we made all the water for the boat. We ran all the systems for the toilets and all the TVs and all our stuff always worked always because we took care of it for one. And then if it broke, we could fix it. But other people's stuff wouldn't work, you know, or sometimes, you know, uh, we'd get off work and want to go take a shower and some a-hole that worked in CT or the office would go get up in the morning, take a shower, go to work, come back, work out, take a shower. He'd take a three showers a day. I haven't got one yet. So we'd get a little pissed and we'd just turn the water off. Um, so, <laughs> well, and then, so one night we did that, we turned the water off, we turned their bathrooms off. And so uh, we're watching a movie in this little area and I don't remember what it was. And then this guy from upstairs comes down and he just kind of gives us a dirty eye and goes in our bathroom and doesn't even say anything. I'm like, well, screw that. So my buddy just gets up and rolls over real quiet and Pull, we put a hasp on it, you know, he closes, puts the hasp over, shoves a bolt down through, and the door's locked down. He can't get out. There's no way to get out. Then we just turn up the movie, and we watch the whole son bitch for an hour and a half, you know, and he's in there pounding on the door, screaming bloody murder, you know, and so we finally get done with the movie, and we're like, <clears throat> are you ready? Yeah, sure. So we let him out, and we thrash him, you know, smash him <laughs> around a bit and throw him out in the hallway, and then so he goes upstairs and gets all his buddies because, you know, he'd been he'd been assaulted, so to speak. So they come downstairs and we kicked the crap out of them because we're waiting for them and we're pissed off anyways. And so we thrashed <laughs> them all and send them on their way. And then we wait about 45 minutes and I'm like, let's go get them some bitches again. So then we go up to their birthing instead of thrashing ours. And that's when we tip over trash cans and tip stuff over. Not many things float around because it's all bolted down, you know? And so, yeah, we might've pulled some mattresses off and thrashed them around a bit and then went back to our house. So instead of fighting ours, we went to theirs, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good, clean fun. You had to blow off a little steam, you know? And so, uh, you know, when we got to port, even that night, you know, we're all fun and games again or certainly by the next day, but uh, our, our big game was, was either kidney shots uh, was the, that was a every day, no matter what you're doing, you know, putting a valve in up over your head holding it and somebody my buddy Gumby would come along and just 
and you know it's coming. You can't do a damn thing about it. You know, you just take it and wait to catch him sometime. Um, so kidney shots, yeah, we kind of messed up Gravarette's red blood count with that one because uh, <laughs> who was it? I can't remember who it was. Would get out of bed at night. Oh, and he would sneak over. Oh, Gumby would, and he'd open Gravarette's curtain in his bed, and he'd just crack him right in the kidneys and close the curtain real back and go jump in bed, and he wouldn't know who stomped on him. <laughs> And then, and then I'll tell you one more, and then we'll move on. Um, the next tradition was called Pink Belly. On your birthday, birthday was Pink Belly time, which is they open up, you know, most of the times we just wore a T-shirt and coveralls and your underwear. That was your uniform of the day, usually, when you're working in the engine room. And so, yeah, Pink Belly, open up your coveralls, pull up your shirt, and you just smack somebody with the palm of your hand when you're holding them down right in the chest. And it makes a hell of a noise and leaves a big old handprint. And, you know, you get 50 or 60 of those and it turns pretty red and eventually numb. And so one of the closest guarded secrets on the boat is your birthday because you don't want anybody to know because that's what's coming up, you know. And so um, apparently I'm a bit of a smart ass, turns out. And so there was like a bounty on when my birthday was to find out. So the schmucks in the office knew, of course. And so they they were human, so they're fallible. So anyways, I get it. About halfway through my birthday, and I'm thinking, I think I've done it. Nobody knows. This is sweet. So I, I'm working away, and they're like, hey, Wells, go down to uh, Shaft Alley, check pump number two. All right, do to do And I don't think anything about it, but Shaft Alley is unique in where it's like six decks straight down into a little room that's just a pump room, and it's about 20 by 20. But there's only like a little four by eight area you can kind of walk around, and it's just pumps and crap everywhere called Shaft Alley. And so I'm like, do-do-do, and I get down there. I'm like, huh, pump number two. Hmm. Seems to be working just fine. Maybe they made another one. So I look at like, well, that's weird. And then I go to leave, and I look up, and there's just boots coming down the ladder. You know, <laughs> there's probably 15 or 20 guys have been waiting in there, and there's no way for me to get out of Shaft Alley. Like, I literally have to chew through the wall. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, I just dropped my clipboard. I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. And so, you know, the first few guys that come down a ladder, you can grab their legs, you give them one of these, you know, and it, and the first three or four guys, yeah, you can handle, but then they start getting back up and then the other guys keep coming down the, the ladder, you know, so you fight off all you could, but eventually they pin your arms and they pink belly the bejesus out of you. And so, uh, you know, get all done. I'm beat to hell and I'm zipping back up, you know, and, I, and I'm gathering my things up and I go to leave and I'm like, you know, uh, guys, Appreciate that and all, but I think a birthday card would have been just fine. And I thought I could scramble up out of there quick enough, you know, being smart. And no, got jerked back down by my feet and ate shit. And they rolled me over and gave me a whole nother set of pink bellies. Because uh, <laughs> I just don't learn sometimes. But yeah, it took me a good 20 minutes to crawl back up out of there because it's like, it's a straight <laughs> ladder, six stories up, basically, or six decks. So, you know, you're beat to hell, sore, um, a little bloody because you're wrestling on um, basically, uh, diamond plate, non-skid floor. That's what you're wrestling on. Steel rails all around, steel ladder. You know, it's not exactly playland. And so, uh, yeah, you're pretty damn sore. But, uh, yeah, don't tell anybody your birthday. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a tip of the tip right there, Rawls. Yeah, much chaos. But uh, I hadn't thought about some of those stories for a while. So, thanks for the... Uh, the question. I'll have to get my buddy Sinkus. I think he would have a he would have a great time. Um, yeah, it's fun to fun to hear that stuff. 
I'm sure he remembers things that I forgot or wanted to forget. So, <laughs> but, you know, again, as we talked, my, you know, prevalence for nicknames was certainly uh, reinforced during my navular days uh, for sure. Yeah. So because like, you know, Gumby, his last name was really green, but uh, <laughs> he's from Mississippi, tall, wiry fellow, you know, I called him Gumby because he's just flexible and wiry and, so <laughs> and hilarious. Yeah. So uh, just a little community though. It really helped me um, get used and good at like networking and finding out what somebody, you know, we did nothing by the book, like nothing by the book. It was all, if you knew somebody could get a favor, you could do it back. You know, it was the, the whole thing, like didn't fill out paperwork, just, you know, had that. And some people couldn't get away with that because they were a-holes. But if you're cool and had a good relationship, like, you know, uh, you could get almost anything done you needed to get done. But if you're a dick, uh, you could use the system and be like, sorry, man, don't have the form. Can't do it. You know, <laughs> which if you're working the system, it's cool. If you're not, uh, you know, so that's, I kind of approach college with the same uh, Weasley manner, if you will. So, yeah. But you are so mature, much more mature than everybody at college by the time you got done with uh, movies. Yeah. Well, I, in some ways, yeah, I'd certainly would sing it to her and was uh, not my first time away from home. Yeah, I'd, I'd been floating around. I turned 18 in Panama City, actually, was where I had my 18th birthday because I signed up, uh, enlisted early, and my, uh, my parents signed for me to get in. I was only 17 when I when I signed up, joined. So, so what yeah. old were you when you got out? Uh, I would have been 19 or I was only in like just over, just around two years, I guess. Yeah. So 19, yeah. let's see, 18, about 20, I guess. I was 21 my freshman year of college. I remember that. I turned 21 obviously August is my birthday. And then we started in September. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember you guys were squared away because I came to come visit you guys at the plan and I, Hitchhiked across the country with some guy and was sick as me, got rid of me, and had all sorts of misadventures. And he dumped me off in the grand. And Mike and Cody, like, they were like these uh, really responsive, mature college students. <laughs> <laughs> From the outside, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what is Cody one time told me, this is not how civilized people act. <laughs> <laughs> Always had fun with you guys. Though. Oh man, yeah, it did, yeah. And there's 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 about nine podcasts just in college alone, maybe more. Uh, yeah, but I remember that quote directly, Richard. I do. But I remember the discipline between you and everybody else around you was totally different. So I think that had a lot to do with the military. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's no way around it. Yeah, it, it, they definitely. Uh, you know, once you figure out in boot camp that that their job was to completely destroy you and then teach you what they want you to know. And no matter, and then when you figure out, no matter what they do, they really can't do anything to you. When you have that mindset, that empowerment, it doesn't matter. And some people figured it out week two or three, and some people I don't think ever figured it out. But the, we knew at a point like, yeah, and they call it, we call it getting beat, where you just PT you till you're puking up rust. Um, yeah. You know, but you knew like, no matter, like, like after a while, you're like, I can do whatever they're going to throw at me. Uh, I don't like it when somebody else screws up and we all have to do something. We go have to talk to that person. But your mindset completely changes from being afraid 
and timid and I don't know what to do to knowing how you stand and like, okay, no matter what you do to me, I'm going to be here tomorrow and I can, I can take anything you can throw at me. Uh, and when you have that, then it completely changes. Uh, and so I think that probably carries over a bit too. Yeah. It's a long time to learn that lesson. Uh, it's finally when I was in the oil field, some old oil field hand told me, he goes, uh, yeah, he goes, uh, don't be too hesitant around here. He goes, you aren't screwing stuff up. You're not learning anything. Yeah. That was completely. like a free pass just to uh, carnage. <laughs> well, everybody's going to use that get out of jail card a little bit different, I'm sure. But if you're timid and apprehensive, you're, mo- you're not going to make probably the best choice you should. You, you might for sure. But most times, it's either going to take you a lot longer than it should or it won't be the right one because you don't want to make that choice, I think. And yeah. so, you know, that luckily that got burned into me about week two or three, a couple of buddies and I would, we'd be marching somewhere or waiting to get into class and just like, dude, you know, basically we know what's going to happen. We're going to get beat. We're going to sweat. We're going to, you know, we came, we got beat so hard one day we walked into a classroom and the instructor goes, Jesus, is it raining outside? You guys are soaked. Uh, no, uh, so-and-so was decking around in line and we all got beat for 45 minutes. Uh, that's why we're late. And that's why it looks like we got in a rainstorm because we were doing PT for 45 minutes, but we're here now, sir. Okay. Come on in. You know, just like that's, he looked, looked like we actually got rained on. That's how much we sweat. Yeah. So, uh, look at me now. You'd never know that, but that's still deep down in me somewhere. I have that ability just to get my wheat shredded and keep going. Oh. Oh uh, yeah, I've never been in place in the world that had to put suntan lotion on my head. But San Diego <laughs> with the you know the number zero blade, you suntan lotion your head because you if you had your cover off you'd fry. Yeah, so. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Rawls. Thanks for that. I haven't thought about some squid stories for for quite a while. So that was uh <laughs> got my brain running around in circles. So <laughs> and you guys learned scuttlebutt. So I mean, you can you know. Like there's been quite a bit of scuttlebutt about some wolf in Willow County. And uh, that's, that would be how I'd use that. Yeah. Uh, what I, I just have to point this out. Jesus, Raleigh, you were in the middle of everything. What the hell? I was just telling my mother-in-law we, last time we did this podcast, she goes, well, I know Micah. And I told her Joel's from New York. I've never met him, but I know the other guy and he knows Blaine. And we met, he helped her pick out her boots and everything. And yeah. And he goes, oh, I say he's a really, he's a really unique, interesting guy. And uh, she goes, really, what, what's he done? I said, well, he's done all sorts of stuff. But, but he has this fabulous cast of brothers. Jeez, never know when any of those guys are going to turn up. Oh, but I said, he's the last guy to see the wacko fly around the world and bloom guy. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. I said, the guy out of Erington. And uh, he, I said, he finally got bugged by a reporter so much that he just left. And here you are again. <laughs> you see, the limelight just seems to follow you around. Is that Hilton? Is that who it was, Ross? Uh, Steve Fawcett. Fawcett, that's right, on the Hilton Ranch. Yeah. On the Hilton Ranch. Yeah. I forgot about that completely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other story. We'll have to put that down for sure. That's yeah. like, that's old news. You're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't really put a finger on why in the hell. They... 
a yeah. reporter have anything to do with me, but apparently they do. You're intriguing, I suppose. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like saying you're going to be able to start a ranching consulting firm for uh, media rules pretty soon. Yeah, shit I've been through. That's what you can call it. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had uh, several people, of course, Mike, and you guys know me well enough that that there's a plethora of stories that would probably potentially put together a pretty good book, but I've had lots of recommendations for that. That's for sure. Yeah, I think wait till the statute of limitations is fully passed and then we can yeah. probably put something together for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't lived the normal, uh, <laughs> I will have to commit somebody of my era. But I had the backbone to do what you did. So I think that, uh, you're probably in that special 2% of people that are probably going to make a difference. So kudos to you, man. And that's coming from Richard. That's uh, I, uh, I, uh, I'm humbled by that from you. It, uh, I, I hope, I hope that's right. I, I, if, if what went on in this past couple of weeks could make a difference for the stockman dealing with this issue, um, that would be my only hope that some good comes out of it. And that leads perfectly into some, uh, we've got some listener mail this week. Uh, and again, I wish Joel was here and I could share it with him, but he'll, he'll listen to it next time. So I got a, a couple comments today from Aaron in Oregon uh, regarding the podcast. I like Joel, but I could have reached to the phone and strangled him on many occasions. <laughs> uh, he usually is so educated on things, but every once in a while, he'll say something like the flu having a vaccine and I'm yelling at my phone as if he'll hear me but I do enjoy listening to you guys so much. Also, Richard should talk more about what he's involved in. He is a very smart cookie. And so that's from Erin uh, in, uh, in Oregon. Also, she wanted to know if I would have Raleigh talk about the wolf. Uh, I said, that's up to him. And then uh, some other comments from earlier today that I happen to remember to keep for posterity. Um, somebody was very, very excited uh about uh us doing the quiet man and all of our conversations that would be going around that as well so they were uh, like oh god it's thursday you're gonna be talking about it. are you doing it right now are you talking about the quiet man I said, in an hour or two we will be so um thank you to our devoted listeners and that's just some of the uh the mail we've gotten uh this week but i thought i would share that uh for you guys to hear some of the insights and <laughs> that's cool yeah, yeah. So it's cool to get those thoughts uh, when people are listening. We get a lot of people say, I love to listen to you guys when I'm driving uh, just because it's, it's entertaining. And I and sometimes I get mad and sometimes I laugh and sometimes I do both. And I said, outstanding. Yeah. So <laughs> my mom, I threatened to listen. Uh oh. Yeah. I'm good. I think maybe tomorrow I'll intercept and persuade her to stop, start about last week's episode. Yeah, I think so. When we went, we started video. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, we have learned and evolved. We are by no means uh, what you call broadcast specialists or even people who know how to talk very well. So we're just used to getting to talking with each other and not over each other. And uh, in somewhat of a fashion that's probably presentable to most average audiences. Not always, not mind you, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun to look back in a while. We look at some of the early days and be like, oh yeah, we were raw, young and crazy. Now we're just old and raw and crazy. So... <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
So uh, with that, we will go and, and wrap up with our uh, best thing of the week and see what everybody has to say. Richard, you look like you're antsy, so uh, you want to lead us off on best thing of the week. Oh, this is a, this been a pretty good conversation. This might be. Um, yeah, I'd say that uh, it was interesting to hear Raleigh's uh, searching. I can't find the right word, but over the last couple of weeks, that's uh, that's interesting. And then uh, what did I learn? I learned that uh, the world has decided to move on without uh, any permission from anybody in the political class. So uh, we're rocking and rolling here. And I think that, uh, oh, Hardy County, not Hardy County, but Monarch County just uh, extended the big middle finger to their state, which is California, and said, we're mm -hmm. opening everything back up last week and uh, nothing happened. Turns out, I think yeah. they all got their birthdays taken away collectively, but that's about all that happened. And I can so, attest that you don't want a birthday anyways. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Rawls, I'll let you go last this week. I think you could you could probably finish this off uh, nicely because I'm pretty brief. Uh, just um, some private uh, phone conversations I've been able to have again this week with some people I haven't got a chance to talk to in a while. I think that's the one thing this chaos and asinine idiocy has brought out is people communicating a bit more and maybe some folks you haven't talked to in a while. And I, I truly appreciate that. And hopefully again, it doesn't shut down when, when things revert to either normal or what they might be. Um, and tied with that too is, is the um, increasing attitude of people realizing uh, that their rights are precious and they're theirs and they need to be exercised. And, you know, um, if you want to stay home, that's up to you, but you can't, uh, you can't kill my livelihood and my world because you're scared. And, and I don't make light of the disease, I make light of the estimates and what we were told to begin with and that we're not adapting to. And so I know Modoc County's told them to go pound sand. I believe Crook County did the same thing. Uh, started some conversation this afternoon about Pendleton Roundup, as that's in the second week of September and a lot of people are speculating that it's, it's gonna be shut down and I, I don't think that's what we need to do. Like I said on Facebook, you know, we raged on after 9-11. Yes, I was and, there. I and we were there and you're standing. I got, just got freaking goosebumps thinking about it because every night we were outside singing God Bless America or whatever freaking song we wanted to rage into. And if I tear up, I apologize. But, you know, that was uh, an, an absolute tragedy. And we felt the best thing to do, I say we like I was on the board or something. Um, that we were going to go on, you know, and there was even speculation it might be targeted as a site because of so many people are there. Um, I think if you want to come to Roundup, you should come to Roundup. If you want to stay home, that's fine. But uh, I guarantee you, if you've ever been through Litter Buck Room and you lived out the other side, you ain't got to worry about much else. I'm sorry, but uh, that'll pretty much, there's your immunity and that might be short-sighted and I don't mean to make light of it, but I just don't believe the numbers we're seeing. And I think it's time for people to keep moving forward um, like the hairdresser, like different counties, like different businesses. So that's my best thing of the week for sure is people realizing that their rights are theirs. They're precious. They're not granted by the government. The constitution protects us from the government and grants us the rights and not the government. And I think people are re realizing that and hopefully remembering it. So 
I'll get off my soapbox, but uh, that's what I have to say about that. Has that ever been canceled? Yes. I think so. Twice during the Warrior four years. I don't remember if it was World War One or two, but yes, for two years. Yeah. Um, the, the thing of it is, is I mean, her uh, her agenda is only through September. They'll move around up to the first October. What the hell? Now that's another thought, you know, and it it's a suggestion. Uh, you know, it's I don't know how you can decree anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Hell, yeah, if you want to do that, I think uh, that would be squirrely. But um, you know, it's it's last I checked, it's what May May seventh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got two calendars behind me. I still don't know what freaking day it is. Uh, yeah, it's May. So uh, you know, to be talking about a thing shut down in September, it seems a little crazy to me. I'm not saying people aren't going to be sick, but we've been people have the flu and get sick long before this came along, and they'll do the same thing long after. So I think it's a personal choice, um, and it should be that. I've had the flu and got sick at Pendleton many times. Yes, <laughs> I think I think uh, yeah, I think if you're about that, many many people have had that same. <laughs> Same flu. Uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, hydration. I've had the, the Hamley straight and the bow straight. <laughs> the bow straight. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of cross-contamination. There's no doubt about that. Yes. So, um, man, I would probably be quiet before I get myself in trouble. So, yes. Um, Mr. Tell you, the Happy Canyon straight. Nothing to be happy about. No. Turns out, no. No, there's not. Oh, it's a... Uh, <laughs> the Krabby strain, that's completely different and unrelated, just so you know. Yeah. Anybody gets that it. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And that's why I tried to behave and I couldn't hold it in any longer. So I had Yeah, to... you open that door for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Um, anything to add, Mr. Bigsby? What would you like to say? Oh, what was the question? Just sort of the <laughs> If a train leaves Chicago, no, the best yeah. best thing of the week or what you learned, uh, if they're the same, both different. Best thing of the week. Um, I really don't have anything to go on right there. I mean, I, I can't, I don't have anything to complain about, but probably, I, th I think for, you know, we're all under this umbrella at the same time. And I think for, from a learning perspective, as more things come about in the media and more things surface as to what's really going on, you know, maybe, maybe a lot of it's conspiracy. Maybe there's a lot of things that um, are just purely bullshit for the media's sake, but going back to our rights and who we are as a nation and our freedoms, I think it's been a monumental time for generations of all ages to learn a lesson from what's going on here and we, we we've gotten so complacent in our society that we've forgotten about what's going on in our history and we're getting a real eye-opening because it's repeating itself right now in, in a lot of ways um, just being able to step back realize how good we have it and what we may have to do to keep it um, it's I, I see I see a lot of different things pop up on social media from a lot of different people. Don't get me wrong. The seriousness of the disease itself um, is concerning and maybe not now as much as it was at first, mm -hmm. 
but um, there's more important things in life to worry about than death. And living is something we all need to continue to do. So. It ain't dying I'm talking about, Raleigh. It's yeah. living. <laughs> yep. You know, I don't I think Gus said it as good as could be said. Well, it, they, they're, they, they're pandering to the fear of people. And, um, you know, there's nothing worse than fear itself. So mm -hmm. step back, take a look at the big picture and move on with your lives. That's what I can take from it right now. And I, fortunately, I live in a world, and Richard can probably relate to this very well, that the, the effect of this on us is not really been anything out of the ordinary when life's gone on mm -hmm. i haven't i haven't done anything different other than maybe try to understand why i have to walk up one aisle and down the other one in safeway but uh <laughs> you know that, that was bizarre to me and i haven't been back since probably won't go back. <laughs> just claim they're, they're dyslexic and they can't discriminate against you it, it, it has given me a real appreciation for small business we have a really small little grocery store here in Enterprise that um, does a great job. They have everything that you would ever need there. Mm -hmm. Are their prices points maybe as good as Safeway? Nope, but I'll shop there for the rest of my life because um, mm -hmm. they didn't look at me funny when I walked in the door without a mask. So yeah, they they, they you got treated normal. And I think I think that there's a sentiment across a lot of America that. Um, everybody talks about what the new normal is or what normal is. I think just being able to live our lives and our, the way we want to live them is what normal is. And I, should there be a new normal? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't live in I don't live in any town where I have to, I have to look at how it was versus how it is now. So I can't really speak for that, but I don't, I don't see a need for having any quote unquote new normal at this point. You just go back to life. So. Yeah. This is not the time to take the opportunity to restructure society based on one political viewpoint over another, i.e. Yeah. We've had yeah. our 30 day trial of socialism. Uh, I think you can take it back now. 30. I think we're on There's like day 55, 55, something like that. Like yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah it's, it, there's certainly getting to be a lot more rhetoric of uh, discomfort and and people getting pissed off. And I'm hearing more and more of it every day, and, and understandably so. And bullshit's bullshit. Just how long you want to wait around in it. We gave you some time. We looked at your numbers. We were cautious. I think it's over. Um, yeah. Well, time to reset back to when uh, Bruce Springsteen released Born to Run. We'll start over from there. That would be perfect, really. Yeah. I don't even get much more random than that, and I thank you for that, Richard. Yeah, like, born to run. I'm like, <laughs> well, I was thinking why it was not, like 88, Why not dirty deeds done dirt cheap? I don't know. Well, I'm the, uh, center field. Okay. okay. Put me in, coach. Yeah. Uh, or uh, I smell sex and candy. How about then? That was pretty good, too. That was college. Oh, yeah. 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 I was thinking about Barbie Girl yesterday. You are a Barbie girl in a Barbie world, aren't you, Richard? <laughs> I can see you driving cattle trucks singing that to yourself. Yeah. I just had that exact visual. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up around the cow truck, drinking, singing, I'm a Barbie girl. 
Yeah. Uh, we've all had those moments, especially you got no radio. You just keep making up songs and one blends right into the next one. Uh, and doesn't make any damn sense at all. Yeah. So, oh, and on that high point, I think uh, we'll, we'll try to herd this one up until the end. Um, just remember, grooves in the heart. Thin <laughs> roof. Rusted. There we go. So, grooves in the heart. Uh, you are the dancing queen. Yes. So, there we go. Um, the in the Damn it, that's going to be in my head. I'm trying to get it out by saying other songs. It won't let go. It's there. I could mock a rain in you, I guess, but I wouldn't do that. That would be mean, now, wouldn't it? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would walk 500 miles if I could help you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I'd take a chance. Yeah. Uh, good Lord. Yeah. To go listen to some George Strait or something and reset my brain. Yeah. I was just thinking, I need to go watch this out with some Chris Lippy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what have we done? What have we done? Oh, my God. Okay. I'm, yeah, we got to wrap this up where it gets worse. That's possible. We don't have a movie yet. I know. I was just going to let it slide, but. Uh, uh, Richard's turn. Uh, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. I, I was thinking about that. I was going to let it go. Then I got thinking like, no, actually people, people are listening to know what the movie's going to be. So Richard, you've obviously thought about it. No, I actually, I knew we didn't have a movie yet. Oh, okay. Um, I think if we go by the rotation, it, it would come back Ooh, to you. I got it. The original alien. The original alien. Ooh. I like that. I have not seen that in many a day. Rawls, have you ever seen Alien? No. Well, guess make what, sure, Buttercup? Make sure you turn all the lights out. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to wait for my wife to come home for that one, too? Yeah. And leave your faucet in your kitchen dripping. Dripping just a, just a little bit. You should probably watch that by yourself. Yeah, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you don't, and she watches it, too, you'll roll over at night, and she'll probably club you with something. Yeah, I'm just going to say. Well, that's a normal night. I know, but now she'll have a different excuse. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll let her get off crutches first. Yeah. Yeah, put those up at least. Yeah. She might still be on them, but just, just hide them. So. Yeah. Alien is the movie. Richard, I have to applaud you also for this, the randomness of uh, my name is nobody to Alien. Uh, I love it. I love it. I think that's perfect. <laughs> And, and since, let's just do this. You'll have, you can have word of the week too, since you got movie. That way we don't forget who has it. How's that sound? All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of pair those up. So that way it makes it easier. Simple. Simple. Especially with this herd. So outstanding. Well, let's wrap this up for this week. If nobody has anything else to add, any gems you want to drop in, don't see any more damn songs. Okay, perfect. So remember folks, Share this with your friends and your enemies because they probably deserve it. Uh, we are on YouTube. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google. Basically, if, if you want to listen to us, it's out there. Uh, like it or not, that's the modern society we live in, and bless its heart for that. So, you know, uh, get on YouTube. You can watch this live as it unfolds like this and, and share that with your friends. Make sure you subscribe, comment, send in your questions, your comments. We will read them. 
uh, if you want us to. Um, and so we'll do that. But again, make sure if you've got questions, you can email at farreachespodcast at gmail.com or reach out on any of our uh, respective social media pages or like most people just send me a text uh, and we'll go from there. So uh, with that being said, we can't thank you enough for- One thing to say to the oh, audience. Okay. Bear the wind beneath my wings. No oh, God. <laughs> with that, I can't top it. Remember that, folks. You are the wind beneath Richard's wings. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs>